Uh, but of course, Marshy, we've got a special guest now as well, an old uh, an old mate of yours. It's former Wallaby and Brumbies player Rod Kafer joining us on the line. Rod, um, thanks for joining us, mate, and a good afternoon, good morning to you. Good afternoon to you as well. Well, uh, Marshy, as Marshy said, it was a humdinger of a game. Justin, uh, what do you want to fire towards Rod to start us off with? Hey, Kafe, thanks for joining us, mate. Always appreciate it. Um, look, let's, um, I guess tap into the Brumbies game first and foremost. There's been quite a bit of chat, as you could imagine, uh, here in New Zealand about, particularly coming out of the Hurricanes franchise, about that uh, last-minute decision um, on Artie Savia in the in the game last night. How did you see it with your one-eyed Australian Brumbies <laughs> eye patch on? <laughs> well, mate, I, listen, if we're sharing eye patches, you've got a few yourself, don't you? We know that. So we talk about Listen to the Crusaders play. I hear the same thing. Look, um, uh, it's always it's always challenging when uh, you know games come down. It's what makes the game great. But there's a few things that make the game great. Lots of lots of different things. One of the things is actually the interpretation by referees gives games theatre, um, and everybody will focus on the last minute decision quite rightly. But of course, in, in a game of rugby, there are so many decisions that a referee makes. Some of them are right. Some of them are wrong. But we all tend to focus on the one that gets made in the last minute to think, you know, that determined the game. Of course, it didn't. There were other decisions in the game that led to tries and led to points being scored, and it gets us to the point. However, what, what was interesting for me, and, and again, having played in games where sometimes you know, and, and, and Marshall, as you recall, um, I didn't score many tries, but in circumstances in games, sometimes you score tries and you either think, yes, I definitely scored that try, and then after you think about it for a while, you probably go, actually, but probably didn't. <laughs> sometimes you don't know. And sometimes you do know. Sometimes you go, I definitely scored that try and the ref didn't award it. Um, what was interesting for me was, you know, Artie Kavir Artie came out, who's, who's, you know, I've enjoyed his career for, for his whole life. He's been that type of player. It's easy to enjoy watching him play and listening to the way he goes about his work. And he said, you know what, I definitely scored the try, um, uh, but, but no problems. And, and I understand that as well, because when I was watching that, I was watching it on television and having watched millions of games of rugby, I looked at it and thought, yeah, I think he's definitely scored that try. Had the referee, I think, said at the time, the referee said it was a try, that would not have been overturned, I don't think, by the video, uh, by, by the TMO. They're the laws that we live under. And the referee just said he didn't see the grounding, so I had to go with, look, mm-hmm. all I can see is the board's been held up. And the referee doesn't, and, and the TMO can't overturn that because it wasn't obvious. And I think the footage revealed that it wasn't obvious enough to say, you know, yes, it was, or yes, it wasn't. So I think it's one of those things that could go either way. It's unfortunate it's the last play of the game. You know, and it was, Marcia, I think, as we'd all agree, you know, a tremendous, gritty, hard-fought, brutal game of rugby, lots of blood on jerseys, all the good stuff you want to see in a game mm. of that level. Comes down to the last decision, you know. One team has to go out. It's it's, it's what makes rugby great. It's the theatre of it all. That's yeah, very good answer. And you're absolutely um, comprehensively right in the decision making process. I don't think they had any other choice. And um, no. from the evidence that they were given and the evidence that they saw, you know, we feel exactly the same way. You know, the fact of the matter is. It had to be clear and conclusive, and it wasn't. So they had no other choice and nowhere else to go. And I thought Artie, after the game, handled himself really well. So you're bang on on that as well. What what else stood out for you in that game, Kaif? Like it, 
it felt to me like the Hurricanes always sort of had control of the game, but then they would have a little lapse, uh, and the Brumbies just showed awesome ambition to turn down, you know, kickable penalties and go go to one of their real strengths, which is the is the line out drive, and um, they they came away with points and all of a sudden got the got got on the on the scoreboard and got ahead again. Yeah. Really interesting. I mean, the Brumbies started the season and, and and started the season very, very strongly, played particularly well in the first, you know, three or four rounds of the competition. When they beat the Blues, um, I think that was down in Melbourne in, in the Super Round or whatever, I thought that, you know, that was one of the best games I've seen the Brumbies play for a long period of time. However, I think since that game, they've actually been stagnating a little bit, maybe even mm. going backwards a little mm. bit. Their form's been a bit haphazard. Um there was, there was a couple of things that stood out, you know, a couple of things that I enjoyed. One, I think they got the selection right at 10 with Deb Brassini. I think he brought a different element to the Brumbies game. Uh, can certainly play, and I think it was commented on during the commentary, but he's a player through his whole career when he's at the Rebels, and I know he spent some time in New Zealand as well. Um, he, he's a guy who can play at the line. He's one of the rare commodities in Australian rugby, and that's a 10 who can actually play at the line and put players through holes or actually attacked the line himself. He scored a try, made a couple of little half breaks, and that really changed the way the Brumbies played. They played on the front foot for the first time in a long time. Um, and, and I think the other thing the Brumbies did well is they defended the threat that was of clear and obvious out wide from the Hurricanes by the way they defended. And, and they've done this defence a little bit all year. They used this umbrella where the you know, second last guy will really come forward out of the line um, and try to shut off that wide passing lane. In the first half, the Hurricanes struggled to deal with that a little bit. Second half, they started to get an idea of how they could play around it, and that's where they started to score all of their points because they found the ability to stretch the Brumbies a little bit. So um, what was, you know, great from a, a rugby perspective, well, just to see, you know, for me, was the quality of the match because I thought it was, you know, a real high-quality game. Both teams playing very, very well. Both teams deserving to win that game, no question. Um, the, the the nature of Australian rugby has been for such a long time. I mean, we've got teams over the last five or so, you know, over the last seven years who've got, you know, all of the teams apart from the Brumbies. Brumbies are the only team with a 50% or better win record in Super Rugby since maybe 2015-16. The rest of Australian franchises are less than 40% win record. So from my perspective it was, you know, just good to see the Brumbies team who have been a you know, the best of the performing sides, um, you know, take it up a notch and were able to stay in a match for eighty minutes against, you know, a high quality opposition. Um, and to then, you know, have have the, the the capacity to close out the game, even even though whether whether they did or they didn't, irrespective of all of those sort of things. They defended, showed a great deal of grit in those last few minutes against a team that was really finishing fast. So I like the fact that from Australian rugby perspective that mentally, mentally, because in the last five, ten minutes of the game, we all know, you know, everybody's fatigued, everyone's feeling it, errors come in. Mentally, if you let yourself go, you fall away. Australian teams have been very soft mentally for a long period of time. These guys stayed in the fight and, you know, irrespective of, how they got it done, they ended up getting it done, um, and, and they'd be happy with that. Well, that's that's a really good segue, actually, into my next question, which is, before we look at um, next weekend, 
the Reds. I, I, you know, finally, they fronted up to their capability. Their fluctuations this year have been frustrating to watch, given the quality of player they've got on their side. Um, but, mate, even though they didn't get the job done, they fronted up against a very, very good Chiefs side at home, didn't they? You must have been pleased to see some of the individuals really step up and then put in a performance which was worthy of the side that they put out on paper. Correct. And, and again, I think what frustrates anybody who's a fan of any rugby team is when you look at a team on paper and you say, these guys should be much better. And then they produce a performance like that. You then sit back and reflect and ask yourself the question, what the hell has gone wrong with these guys? Because this is a team who, you know, by by definition, can perform against the best team in the competition mm. and run them very close in a do-or-die match, you think to yourself, imagine if they took that, whatever that mentality was, into the rest of this season, we'd be having a different mm. conversation about the Reds because they're chock-a-block full of good, you know, a combination of exciting young footballers, um, also some, you know, wallaby, wallaby players who've got the ability to, to play at a higher level. They've got, you know, an exciting team. They just haven't been able to, to manufacture consistency, you know, throughout the last couple of seasons. Obviously, it's, you know, the last game for a guy who's been a great coach for them um, and has, has brought them to, to a point. Um, you know, his, end, his coaching career is now coming to an end with the, with the Reds, which we all know coaches don't last forever. Um, he's, he's, done his, he's done his term. Um, the players clearly wanted to at least put on some type of performance for for him, and they nearly got you know the job done against the team who you know have been very good this year. And if you reflect on the Chiefs over the last couple of seasons, you know they were a team who were very inconsistent, had the capacity mm-hmm. to play well, um, but were also dreadful on certain days. For whatever whatever's happened with them this year, they've they've clicked. The coaching structure's got it. You know they've got it right. They're, they're a team who are, um, you know, immensely powerful. Um, I really enjoy the way the Chiefs play. They're a team I enjoy watching play. Um, so pleased to see them going ahead in the competition, albeit at the expense of the Reds. So given that, and, and putting on your your Brumbies cap uh, and and your very extensive knowledge of the game and the way that you analyse it. What, what did you see that gave you some encouragement out of that game then, given that the Reds were able to put them under that amount of pressure? Did you see some vulnerability in the Chiefs that the Brumbies could possibly expose? Um, you know, potentially, although although when when you when I look at the Chiefs play, the Chiefs the Chiefs, you know, carry a very big side across. They've got they've got this great combination, I think, at the moment of of um, you know, big players who can utilise the ball and, and small players on the field. And the game's sort of gone to that in recent times. We've seen that in international rugby over the last three or four years, that little players are coming back into the game. Small wingers, small outside backs are really important because the space on the on the field gets less and less. And if you can generate um, fast ball from big, hard running forwards, you then give your small backs the opportunity to take advantage of that. And probably the, the best example in Super Rugby is really the Chiefs that have that dynamic that carry a very big back row, very, you know, a, a very big team all around the field, but particularly forwards who are explosive and dynamic who can generate quick ball. They give quick ball then to a, 
um, you know, an exciting back line who can um, utilise that ball well. Chiefs do it the best, I think, um, in the competition. Crusaders obviously do it very well, and the Blues at times have done it. The Brumbies haven't done as much of that. They've got a couple of quick blokes. Corey Toole on one wing is explosively quick, small guy, exactly the, the model that I'm talking about, and they've used him extensively this season. I think um, that that the Chiefs bring a, a power game. They can you know, really dent and hold the Brumbies in, in the set piece, and I think the Brumbies relied a lot on their set piece to generate um, for them their platform to attack from. They just haven't quite got the balance right in the back line as well as probably the Chiefs have. I, I do like the Brumbies picking Deborah Senior at 10, and I think obviously he played for a little bit somewhere in and around the Waikato region. I can't remember the history, but he was, he was there somewhere, maybe at the Chiefs for a period of time, maybe just in the NPC, I can't recall. But, um, you know, he's, he's got history in, in that area. I'd love to see them um, select him to start again and give him the opportunity to, to um, you know, play in, in a place that he's familiar with. Um, and if he can find a way, and if the Brumbies can find a way to develop some quick ball, they give themselves an opportunity. However, that was their problem last time, a few weeks ago in Canberra. They never really got the opportunity to get the ball. The Chiefs looked like they were just going to smash it every time they had slow ball. And Brumbies never got any any dominance, any go-forward ball, and, and they were just you know muted by, by the Chiefs in a very good effort. I expect, you know, honestly, I expect the Chiefs to win. I've, I've been... You know, really enjoyed, literally enjoyed the way they've played the game this year. I love what they do close to the line. They use this back line swinging from one side to the other. Damien McKenzie does a great job. They've developed some plays around how they attack when they get close to the opposition try line that I really like to see. They've innovated in that area. I, th- I think they're a team that, you know, probably have been the best team in the comp so far, probably the deserved winners of the competition if they can get it done. Rummies are going to give them a shake but I'd be surprised if the Brumbies win. Wow. Good. But you'll be happy if they do, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm delighted. I mean, I'm a, I'm a winner yeah, either be. way. I like both of these teams. I love both of them. I like to love the way the Chiefs play. I mean, I love seeing, you know, they, they picked a big back row. When I sit and I look at Australian back row and the balance um, of some of the back row teams, uh, you know, the small guy really in the back row is Sam Kane for the Chiefs. And Sam's then the big guy plays a big, you know, he's a big seven, um, and and he and he plays a very strong, powerful game, and he's their little guy, you know, and they mm. and they and they and they bring obviously their their locks who are, who are big men. They've got a you know a very powerful, um, hard running front row, you know, hookers who carry very well, uh, you know, it, it's a, such a powerful forward pack. I, I think for the self marshes we offered there. You know, with four packs you've played behind, you think to yourself as an, as an inside back, you yeah. might be playing behind these guys. <laughs> We'd have some fun here, you know. Front foot ball, yeah. you'd be putting guys through holes all day. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I like that about their game. And, and, you know, the Brumbies need to find a way to, to neuter that, that forward pack. And it wouldn't surprise me to see the Brumbies kick a lot more ball. I think when they played against them last time, they had a lot of possession. And the Chiefs just lapped it up, said, keep bringing it, you know, we're going to bash you. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a much, um, you know, more heavily um, kick-focused game for the Brumbies. We don't want possession. We're, we're going to be happy if we get 35 40% of possession. You guys have it all, and we'll see if we can defend you, live off the scraps, and maybe frustrate you a little bit. That might be a tactic 
tactic Steve Larkham thinks about bringing because mm. bringing a game where you have a lot of possession against the Chiefs, you, you, you know, if, if you can't be effective, you burn a lot of energy, you get a turnover, you're vulnerable off turnovers against a team who are very effective at exploiting that. We've only got about a minute left, Keith, but I just wanted to get a quick comment from you um, about former teammate of yours, Phil War, the new CEO of Australian Rugby. Um, how did you find that decision? Well, look, it's going to be a great challenge for Phil Wall. Phil Wall is operating with a, with a chairman at the moment who's really an executive chairman. He's a real hands-on, running the game, a lot of, a lot of um, things, making a lot of decisions about the game as an operator. And I, and I really like it. I think Hamish McLean, from an Australian perspective, has been our best chairman for a long period of time. He's come out, he's taken on our Kiwi friends across the ditch and said, we're going to have a red-hot go. It's all about Australian rugby. <laughs> let's, let's do it, right? He's, he's, created, he's created the battle, created the fight, um, you know, found an enemy, and we're, <laughs> and we're happy to have the fight. I love it. Um, Phil Ward's been very close to him in that um, Phil's going to be his, his operator. Um, you know, I've known Phil for a long time. I played test match rugby with Phil. I played with him on his test debut. Um, so I know Phil. Uh, Phil. Phil's heart and soul rugby guy. Many people in Australian rugby will think, you know, he's everything that we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be going forward with in Australian <laughs> rugby. Um, Australian rugby will judge that in future, and they'll be given that opportunity to judge it in future. We've got a rare opportunity now with a, with a chairman who's, um, you know, it's done a brilliant job of, of leading the game out of its, um, you know, former administration, its former board, its former CEO. This guy's taken it forward, um, and I hope Phil Walker can just get on the journey with him and deliver something that Australia hasn't seen in a long time. I'm going to end my conversation because you're going to cut me off with a Bledisloe Cup. Come on, bring it back oh, to Australia. <laughs> your timing's perfect, Rod. Thank you so much for your call today, mate. You have a great afternoon. Okay. Thank you all. See ya. We'll be back after this.